Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, what's up? Thursday afternoon on Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming at supertalk.fm. Also available on Super Talk TV. And, of course, as a podcast, if you miss anything, we're glad to be with you on the radio this afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydan in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. For all the info about the Sportsbook, go to their website at uh, pearlriverresort.com. We'd love to hear from you on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business, check them out online at cspire.com slash business. This is not new news. This is not breaking. We love a countdown here at Sports Talk Mississippi, right? I mean, we, we count down well, 100. Sorta. Well, hold on. <laughs> we, we like the idea of a countdown. We love the idea of a countdown. 100 teams in 100 days. Not 100 teams for 100 days, but we do ultimately cover 100 teams over the course of 100 days leading up to football. We gave 30 for 30 with baseball a shot, or 25 and 25. I I don't know where we ended, but we did a a yeoman's job previewing the baseball season. It is time for a new countdown. Can you set the countdown clock, Michael Borky, at 17 days? You know what 17 days right now is? It is the beginning of daylight saving time. It is close. It is very, very close. March 12th, Sunday, March 12th, is the day that we turn our clocks forward an hour, and it stays light longer. Those dark, depressing days of leaving work and it's dark when you walk out of the door are gone. The days of summer are just around the corner. I think I was just thinking about that because it's 80 degrees in Oxford today and the sun has been out for most of the day and it's like, okay, yep, it's it's time for spring. Let's do this. And I know we're probably going to get another cold snap, maybe a couple more cold snaps, I get it. But, man, it's nice. And it makes you ready for everything to bloom. Like you got the buds that are starting to pop on the trees and you hope that you don't get a freeze to, to mess that up. But it's like two or three weeks from now we're going to open our eyes and it's going to be like, Holy cow, everything is in bloom, trees are green, flowers are popping, 
My allergies are going insane. Yes, I love this time of year. Hey, boys, happy Thursday. That's good news, right? Only 17 days until we get to the good time. It is nice leaving here. With the sun still up. That that is a good sun still up, yeah. yeah. You go home and throw ball with James in the yard at night. I mean maybe his bedtime, but yeah, you know, whatever. You understand what I'm saying. Soon we will be able to. What time does he go to bed? Seven thirty. Yeah. That is um sometimes that's a fleeting goal at our house for uh, for Francis. We probably hit seven thirty on average, once a week, but that's kind of the working goal. I tell you what, they do a number on them in kindergarten when they they get the rest time at school, and and a lot of kids don't take naps, but then they stop doing that after the Christmas break. And I don't know that little bit of rest time. I, that's that is, I I think that has it's been a bit of adjustment. We need to normalize napping in our adult life as well. Is it Italy or Spain where they do that, or Mexico? Spain. I think it's Spain and Mexico. I think it's a, a Spanish thing. Well, in France, they just take like Siesta. midday sabbaticals. Like my dad used to work. Well, he, he's since retired, but worked for for decades for a, a company that has a North American headquarters, but was founded and still headquartered in France. And he would have to go to France every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And they would, I mean, d- meals for the French are ordeals. They're an event. They, they would leave the office mm-hmm. at like 2 o'clock, and they wouldn't come back to the office until like 6, and they would be eating the whole time. And then they worked till like, the hours were weird. He said they'd go to dinner, and it would it would start at like 9, and they'd be out after midnight. But it wasn't like they went to the club. It's like you had you, you started with an appetizer, and that lasted an hour, and then another thing came, and that was an hour, and another thing came, and, that, and, and they just... That is what they did, is they just talked, and then at the end of the meal, it's bread and cheese. It's like, we just ate a bunch of food, and here's... How do they stay skinny? I don't understand it, but, yeah. Got to remember, the Europeans also work like 30 hours a week and get yeah. two months of paid vacation a year. They're they're living better than us. Well, they don't put ice in their drinks, though. Now that's an issue. Room-temperature water in their meetings in France. Couldn't do it. Don't want that, no. No. I just Googled standard French workday time, and I came up with the French working hours are usually 8 or 9 to 4 or 5 with one hour of unpaid lunch. This will, however, vary depending on the business and the company agreements. The weekly working hours are 35 hours, 7 hours a day, 5 days a week. Of course, our standard work week is a 40-hour work week, 2,000 yeah, with. Standard is 40 hours with two weeks of paid vacation, paid time off, PTO. I was listening to a podcast of guys talking about it, because our hours are a little bit different, obviously, because of what we do and and all that. Things vary. (laughs) I mean, Richard, you work most weekends. Hey, Dad, you do a good bit of weekends yourself. Um, Although, you know, being being at a game is not exactly work to most people, but either way... Uh, they were talking about the the concept of moving to a four day work week where you just work an extra hour a day and have a three day weekend. So four days of work, three days of off, and and that would disrupt like a whole bunch of stuff. And it's probably not feasible here in this country because of how just everything is scheduled and done. But would you want that? Three always have a three day weekend, but you worked more yeah. on your four days of work. Would you do that? My answer would be yes. 
I, I don't know if yes. it, it was a story that I was reading or a podcast that I was listening to, but it recently was was giving this some thought. And yeah, yes, look, our schedule is incredibly unique, right? I mean, in terms of like working, working three hours in the afternoon. Yes, there's lead up to that, and there's other stuff that goes along with it, and you know all that. But we have a great deal of flexibility. With, with, with what we do, and yes, I've all of us have got weekends to some degree. I work a bunch of weekends for different reasons. But if I had a standard, just say I worked for a, I don't know, as a software engineer with a technology company, and it was a standard 40-hour work week, and they said you can either go 9 to 5 Monday through Friday, or you can work... Eight to six Monday through Thursday. I think I added two yes. hours there, but but what hour? I mean, sign me up a hundred times out of a hundred. Here's my question: Would you want your weekend to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Saturday, Sunday, Monday? Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, that's what I would prefer. Also, got to remember with you, I want Monday off. You do work weekends, but that's a different different job than this. If you only worked this job. You would not work weekends. No, yeah, those I, jobs I require weekends. Yeah, yeah. like if if you, like this job for for Borky Saturday. I mean, if you want to call sitting at Casa de la Borky, you know, watching football because I have hey, to for work. Hey, I've got a work. notepad in my hand too, buddy. So I'm grinding away, <laughs> just slaving away on Saturday. He's just sitting there like he's got that that cold beer. He's just. And if there's All something right. I like, I Working write it hard. down. Yeah, <laughs> American American dream, right here. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I probably end up working between what somewhere between thirty and forty weekends a year. But it's the path I've chosen, yeah. right? Yeah. I, mean, I love oh, what yeah. I do. There's I there's, there's I no complaints here. No, not a no. single person has. We're not complaining. complaining no. I'd want Monday off though. You'd rather have Why Saturday, Monday? Sunday, Monday, and work Fridays because Sunday's a football day. So I'd rather like go to the bar to watch Sunday night football with my buddies and not have to worry about being productive on Monday. There, I, there Wait, are so. Uh, do you all of a sudden not have a three-year-old in this scenario anymore? While we're just like making stuff up. He goes to bed up? at seven thirty. I go. I mean, there's another okay. person in the house that also has responsibilities for the child. <laughs> I mean, you know, like we, we help each other out. She does things where I watch him. I do yeah, things sure. where she watches him. But yeah, Sunday's a football day, and I want Monday to be the got no responsibilities, nothing to do because I spent all day Sunday watching football, as opposed to Friday, where you know that's a nice day off to have too, but. You watch football all day Sunday, and it's right back to work on Monday. Dwayne had the same question I did. He said, I would absolutely work four 10-hour days. You're already there. Why not stay? My only question is Monday off or Friday off. Somebody suggested you take Wednesday off. Go two on, a day off, two all, uh, two more on, and then nah, I, I, want that I want three consecutive off three day, days. Three-day weekend every week is incredible. That's, that's just something I can't even wrap my head around. I don't hate that idea, though. That's a good idea. It's not the worst idea. I wouldn't no. sign up for it, but it's sound and logic. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I I really like the idea. I don't think that's um I don't think that's an option for us. No. Like, I, I don't think we're going to a four day radio show anytime soon. So uh anyway, fun to talk about. Hey, last night. Four day was a strange... show, four hours a day. 
There you go. Problem solved, right? Just yeah. problem solved. Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's talk about a strange night of college basketball last night when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Rocks. Welcome again, Sports Talk Mississippi. There was somebody in terms of debating whether they would have uh, rather have Monday off or Friday off. Uh, they said, which day is golf cheaper? That's the way to gauge it. I said, well, the problem is, you know, fr- <laughs> the answer is no on Friday. It's not cheaper on Friday. But a lot of golf courses are closed on Mondays. Now, not all. For example, Dancing Rabbit Golf Club is not closed on Monday. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship courses that you can play on Mondays. The Oaks and the Azaleas. Book your tee time online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. Masters is coming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Quick look. We'll be at Dancing Rabbit in a couple weeks, right? We will. On uh, March 17th, Friday, March 17th, that would be uh, day two of the NCAA tournament. And that is the, uh, the tail end of spring break week. So... Looking forward to that. Think they'll be ready for us at the sportsbook? I think so. That would be great. I believe so. I love all the trips there. More looking forward to the golf variety, but they're both great. So Yeah. We'll just go early and play golf. Yeah. We can arrange that. I mean, you want to talk about pristine weather? Miss, aside from the allergies... Because that's terrible. And I've, our There's pines that. in the back are already developing, whatever you want to call those things, that when the tree gets shaken or the wind blows, it's just like yellow yellow. smoke. Yeah, I think that's called pollen. Uh, but I don't know what the little uh, pods, whatever, doesn't matter. Aside from those, March in Mississippi is the best weather like in the country absent the California Ooh. Bay Area. Ooh. It is would, awesome. I'm going strong disagree on that. 75 to 80. Oh my gosh, man. But the yeah, yeah, on those days 100% agree, but the problem is you also get like 8 days in March where it's there's a chance of an ice storm. Well, the, the, those roll through there too where we're looking at it like what are we doing? It's March 18th. Why is the high today 41? Well, what's going on? You know, we get that also. So, um but weather and vacation days and all of that aside, we got plenty to get to with you this afternoon. By the way, um, Luke Johnson's going to join us in the next segment. We'll talk some Southern Miss. Tough loss for them last night in hoops. Not to be dismissive, though, of losing that game. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Get healthy, or make sure you're healthy. You want to be playing your best basketball. What matters for Southern Miss is the conference tournament. Need to be a top four so you get the double bye. They're going to be a top four. They may not end up being the one seed. We'll see how it finishes out. But just get to the conference tournament healthy and then go win the thing. And if you do, you're playing in the big dance. And if you don't, you're playing in the NIT. Now, the only downside is that if you are not the conference champion and you don't win the conference tournament, you run a risk of not being part of the postseason period. 
Because if you win the regular season in the Sun Belt, and it's only a one-bid league and you don't win the conference tournament, you are guaranteed a spot in the NIT. You're not guaranteed. Now, I would think Southern Miss would be in the NIT regardless, I would think, in that scenario. But you never know. That way you can just take it out of a selection committee's hands. So Luke Johnson will join us. Also, our buddy Stitchhead, Eric Sorensen, coming up in the uh, in the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, we'll get to Mississippi State's baseball win yesterday. We'll talk about what's coming up on Saturday for Mississippi State and Hoops. We'll get to Ole Miss and Auburn at some point this afternoon as well. But I think the story that grabbed everybody was South Carolina-Alabama. South Carolina was a huge underdog at home, and for good reason. They're not a very good basketball team. But they played a close game with a seemingly distracted Alabama team last night. Except for the guy who probably had more reason than anybody in the building to be distracted, Brandon Miller, who looked unfazed by the news of the last couple of days. He looked unfazed by the chance of lock him up, lock him up, and guilty, guilty. It, it, 41 points, and the game winner. 41 points. I don't know what I don't know what this conversation is. Is it a basketball conversation? Is it an off the floor conversation? Is it a you know criminal investigation conversation? I don't know. There are lots and lots and lots of layers to it, but it was there was a weird vibe to that game last night between arguably the best team in the SEC and arguably the worst team in the SEC. Probably not, but you could make the argument. They're probably the third worst team in the SEC. Yeah. I was captivated by it. I, I I couldn't look away. I, I watched more of that game than I, I I thought I would going into it. Uh, I think ESPN largely now something the analyst said I thought was so incredibly stupid. It, he talked about how Brandon Miller playing or not playing is not a decision that Nate Oates can make. That that it's not up to him to play or not play one of his players. And I thought. That is absurd. He can sit whoever he wants, whenever he wants. He's the coach. It's not like if he would go to Alabama and say, hey, I have a player that broke some team rules. He's going to sit tonight. Alabama would be like, no, you got to play that boy. right." No. Just absurd. Aside from that... Yeah, okay, Seth Greenberg was the analyst last night. Normally he's in studio. He's got a couple of games. Mark Morgan, uh, sorry, Mike Morgan was the uh, the play-by-play guy last night. So, so those, that was your announcing crew, and I did. I, I texted you. I saw you tweeted that, and yeah. I texted you who said it, and you said it was the analyst. So it was Seth Greenberg. I wonder if there was something that was lost in communication there, like that didn't come out exactly the right way. Had to have been that. That maybe the conversation was. This was not solely my decision. There were more people than just me involved in whether or not Brandon Miller plays. Had to have been, but the way he presented it was, yeah. NATO has no say, and it, but um, and also in a rich bit of irony, later in the game he was talking about um, South Carolina's coach and how uh, he sat their star player, also future NBA guy, looked really good last night. Although his shot selection is terrible, but either way, yeah, um, it's all based on potential. 
talk, Jackson. Yeah, talked about how you got to hold young players accountable, and so when he had a bad attitude, uh, taking him out of the starting lineup and sitting him well, was a great move. And it's like, how do you have those two thoughts? Uh, you you got to hold young players accountable, and also you can't hold anyway. But I thought ESPN, to their everlasting credit, talked about it. It you've seen broadcasts just completely ignore stuff like that in the past. They didn't. They had a graphic up at one point where they went through the timeline of exactly everything that happened. They presented it fairly. There was a weird moment in the game while you heard the lock him up chance where the game had to stop because there was a fight that broke out behind the basket that Brandon Miller was shooting a free throw on, and they had to stop the game for that. Weird stuff. After the game, they went to the studio. I have no idea who works for SportsCenter anymore, if it's not Scott Van Pelt, but they had a studio host and two guys in there, and one of them, just to his credit, again said, I, I this isn't a basketball story. I want to stop feeling bad about decisions that are made in college basketball because I feel bad about having watched that. I, they, they didn't shy away from it, despite being a mega partner With the SEC, they literally aired that game on their network and didn't shy away from it. I was kind of impressed, honestly. Well, and they also, they they treated the broadcast last night like it was an ESPN broadcast and not an SEC network broadcast. And and there's, there's a little bit of, not a lot of difference, but there's a little bit of difference. The standard is a little bit different. The SEC network is generally, I mean, if you're watching SEC now, hosted by Dari Noka or whatever else, it's generally friendly. To, to the schools in the SEC, in the same way that the Big Ten Network is and the ACC Network is and, and everything else. But we're going to step away from this in a second because Luke's joining us coming up next, and, and we'll, start, uh, we'll we'll come back to this. Sorry. You guys, have, <laughs> you guys have shamed me into not saying we'll circle back. But I was thinking today. We talked a good bit yesterday about you know, the legal standard, you know, was he charged, was he not charged, how should that factor in, did he break a team rule, is it an unwritten team rule, what's Nate Oates thinking, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you know what I haven't heard anybody ask a question? And forgive me for sounding incredibly old-fashioned, because this is how, this is how what I'm going to say is going to sound. It's going to sound like I'm, I'm in the, the 1950s or the 1960s and I'm... Wally Beaver. What about just doing what's right? Like, like, what if, what if instead of, well, the assistant district attorney said this and technically this, and it's going to cost our basketball team if we don't have the best player? What, what if you taught a lesson by saying, we realize this is going to affect our university. We realize that. No charges have been filed. But we don't think this is right. And because it's not right, we're not going to play him. And if that costs us a national championship in baseball, basketball, not baseball, basketball, then so be it. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi.
afternoon again. Sports Talk Mississippi. Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Mississippi Farm Bureau, the one and only Luke Johnson, joins us right now. He is uh, co-host of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Hello, Luke. Good Thursday to you, Richard. Got the sun beaming in through the windows there in your office. What is it, about 85 in Hattiesburg right now? 86. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, looking out, we have a, we've got a big pond behind our house and sun sparkling off of it. So it's a good afternoon. Absolutely a good afternoon. Uh, let's talk hoops for a minute. So Southern Miss loses last night uh, on the road at Old Dominion. Lose the game by five. Uh, to me, that in and of itself is it, just not a big deal. You lose basketball games sometimes, and as we have talked about, the thing that matters is positioning for the conference tournament, making sure you're one of those top four so that you get the double by and you, you put yourself in a chance to get an automatic berth into the NCAA tournament. But flip side of that is after the nine straight wins, they've lost two out of their last three, and that includes a 30-point loss mixed in there on the road at South Alabama last week. Is there reason to be concerned all of a sudden about this Southern Miss team or no? On road trips, they're actually one in three in the first game. So this is the first Wednesday they played. But you look back through the season, they lost at Louisiana. They lost at Marshall. They lost at South Al. Actually, one in, one in uh, four because those are all road games. So first game of road trip hasn't been good for them. Um, they took a charter trip, uh, charter flight actually got into San Marcos late last night. So they, they had just today to be able to rest and stuff. That was one of the problems earlier in the year was the travel. Um, this is the longest travel for them, uh, in, in the year, but you look at what they did last night. Uh, Hase, um, Hase led the way. Crowley, um, had, a, I think 11. Pinkney had 15. Alvarez went 0 for 7 from the field and, uh, Denaje Harris didn't get involved at all. And so it wasn't so much that Old Dominion, you know, uh, held out the big three. Crowley scored less than what he usually does, but they allowed, uh, they didn't allow kind of the collateral side peripheral damage that usually some of the guys off the bench do. And that's why Old Dominion was able to hang on. Eagles got cold down the stretch. And we talked to, uh, we talked to Nick Williams, assistant coach today on the Eagle Hour. And just the messages, I mean, they know what they got to do. Um, uh, they've, they've wrapped up a double bye. Uh, but they have to have Old Dominion beat Marshall. Um, and they have to beat Texas State on the road tomorrow to, to clinch that um, that regular season conference championship. If they don't do that, they'll be two. There's a, there's just kind of a outside chance they could fall to three. But the benefit, even if they finish, if they get the, the second seed, they would avoid you know Marshall um, really in, into the conference uh, tournament final. And that's the team that that you're most concerned about, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, uh, some of these teams. Like Texas State played Southern Miss crazy, crazy good. Uh, and, and you know, you look at, you may have to face South Alabama again in, in round one and that Saturday if they get through. And they just had the Eagles numbers. So it, we, we thought there was going to be a whole lot of parity this year in the league. And talking with guys around the league that watch uh, every day, I mean, every week, they, they say the same thing. I mean, so it, it could just be a team gets really hot. And uh, I think you said it to close out last segment. You, it's the best team that plays in the tournament that's going to go to the big dance. All right, so in terms of, of net rankings, and this isn't necessarily the be-all, end-all, but it, cert- it it factors in. 83 is the net ranking. If Southern Miss were to end up not being the, the regular season champion, and you laid out the scenario for a second ago, uh, a second ago, and, and let's say that they lose in the semifinals or the finals, 
Is there concern about not only not making the NCAA tournament, but missing out on the NIT as well? Because of the way that's selected in comparison to how it used to be selected? So if you if you win tomorrow and you win one, you're at 26. If you lose in the final, you're at 27. It's hard for me to believe that you know 27-17 gets left out of the NIT. Um, you know, it, it can happen. Um, but uh, what is it? I mean, you can't really do anything about it, can you? <laughs> you know, if you make it to the final, you know, you lose. I think if they if they make it to the final, you know, they're locked in for the NIT. But I still think there's an argument to be made, um, you know, at, at 26 and seven to to get into the NIT uh, for sure. Yeah. Well, I guess in terms of the way that that the NCAA looks at it, they're they're looking at what 21 and six because of those D two games get taken out of it. But again, I, I don't know that it, you know. I don't have a firm grasp on exactly how they determine who gets in the NIT anymore. And and maybe, you know, because there was a time where so much of that was financial. It's like, you know, what do you bid in terms of trying to host games? And you, you could almost kind of buy your way into it. But when the NCAA took that over, you know, they handled the, the seating. And obviously, a regular season conference champion that doesn't get an automatic bid is guaranteed a berth in the NCAA tournament. You don't know exactly how many of those they're going to be. And then you select the rest of the field after that. Yeah, I mean, if if Marshall were to win uh, the regular season and then win the tournament, and Southern Miss would lose to them, you know, in the final, then yeah, they're in the NIT. If they were to get beat um, by a, a you know twenty plus win Louisiana team in the semifinal, it it's just uh, they would probably though, unless somebody makes a run, they would probably be in the Sun Belt, have the highest number of wins. Um, of, of any of them, it just depends on whether they win tomorrow or not. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how that uh, how that shakes out. Um, I, I do also ahead. want to mention real quick. Sorry to sorry to interrupt. Lady Eagles um, have earned will earn a double by tomorrow. There's a five way tie in first uh, for for second place. They they knocked Troy out of first place last night. Uh, scored 88 points. So we kind of talked about them all year. The Lady Eagles are, are doing really well in in the uh, Sun Belt as well. Earn a, a double by tomorrow if they win. And we saw the announcement earlier today. We haven't even talked about this. The uh, both the Gillum Trophy and the Howell Trophy finalists have been announced, and Southern Miss has won uh, a finalist for both of those: Dominic Davis uh, on the women's side and Austin Crowley on the men's side. Yeah, I, I'm really proud of of uh, Dom Davis. She's battled a lot of injuries, and I mean, phenomenal transfer from from LSU. Southern Miss fans really really like to watch her play. As a guard, she'll sometimes get eight, nine rebounds. She had nine rebounds last night. So she's had a multiple Sun Week uh, Player of the Week awards, and so she should, you know, she should possibly do do well in that one. And, and Curly, we've talked about him. Uh, just really thankful he's in Hattiesburg. All right, so Southern Miss baseball off to a uh, to a really good start. They get the sweep over Liberty last weekend. Uh, Kind of pulled the bats out in the uh, in the midweek win, and uh, now getting set for Illinois coming in this weekend. Y- your thoughts? We we haven't talked yet with you about the opening weekend. Yeah, I mean, not much offense in game one and game two, and that's because of the two pitchers that that Liberty threw. Southern Miss, you know, was able to to scrap and and uh, really good pitchers. Uh, the, the guy they faced in game one, Horn. I mean, he's going to be really he's a high draft prospect next year. Scott Berry told us Monday he was more impressed with Moran in Game Two than he was Horn in Game One, and Golden Eagles uh, able to find some some uh, find some runs late. They faced Tepper, a transfer from Mississippi State, in, in Game Three, and were able to, to get after him as a righty, which you would expect this uh, you know this 
offense to be able to hit righties better. Um, Tuesday night was just they overmatched UNO. Uh, Billy Oldham, who is – we talked about him, the transfer from Eastern Connecticut State, has a just mesmerizing changeup. I mean, it, it sometimes it'll move 15, 20 inches. I mean, it was pretty impressive to watch. He threw five innings of shutout baseball, didn't allow a hit, struck out nine. He looks a lot like Hunter Riggins when you see him pitch. Um, and, you know, Monastere from Northwest Rankin made his debut. They didn't allow a hit till the uh, till the seventh inning. And so through four games, this pitching staff has allowed three runs total, two of them earned. That's pretty incredible. And uh, and we talked about Illinois coming in this weekend, so a three-game series with a, uh, with a Big Ten team. No, no changes in terms of the rotation, kind of know what we're going to get, right? Yeah, they've, they've already announced it the same as last weekend, Hall, Adams, and Mazza. One thing to watch you know, on the offensive side, Tay Parker, uh, who came from Pearl River Community College, hit a home run last weekend. He tweaked his hammy uh, just a little bit uh, coming around uh, third in, in the, the game Tuesday. But uh, the guy that came in to replace him, Reese Ewing, who went two for two and had three RBIs. So, you know, Ewing was, you know, a, a power hitter last year, great hitter for Southern Miss, and he and Parker have been platooning out and left. So if Parker can't go, I mean, you don't lose anything with Reese Ewing. And I think we will talk, you know, throughout this year, the depth that Southern Miss has on the offensive side of the ball, not just the pitching staff. That's something they didn't have last year. Yeah. Certainly a, uh, a good start to the uh, the year. And uh, Scott, when we talked with him on, on Monday, just kind of glowed about Matt Etzel and, and what he did defensively in center field. Uh, I don't know if you heard it or not. said he's the, uh, the best center fielder in terms of kind of range and going and getting balls that he's had. And his time as both an assistant and as a head coach. And that's I thought that was a pretty big statement. His last three center fielders were Montenegro, Tremble, and Walner. That just that tells you just a little bit. Etzel got another double uh, on uh, on Tuesday night, so he's got three in the first four games. That seems good. That uh, that 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 seems good. Luke, thanks as always for your time. Good catching up. Hi, Richard. Y'all have a good day. Luke Johnson on the Super Talk. Uh, I'm sorry, he is joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. He's co-host of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. You can get that on uh, radio stations in Laurel and Hattiesburg, but also as a podcast and on demand at supertalk.fm. More coming up with you. Let's uh, let's go to Starkville when we come back and talk about Mississippi State's baseball win yesterday because they pulled out the whooping sticks, and that had to feel good. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Good chat with uh, Luke Johnson on the Farm Bureau guest line just a few moments ago. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us. Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. So Mississippi State's baseball season so far has been a bit of an adventure. They won on opening day 11-2. to 
They led 10 to 1 in game 2 but lost that game 14-13 then they got the series win against VMI 9 to 3. And you couldn't help but look at the way the game 2 loss unfolded and go, "Hmm." Kind of kind of raises some questions. And then you get the Tuesday game where they trailed 11 to nothing and ultimately lost 11-5 to ULM but then bounced back yesterday with a 14 to 3 win. And, hey, Dad, I, I can't help but wonder if this is one of those situations where kind of the old adage of it's it's never as good as you think and never as bad as you think maybe comes into play. But there are absolutely legitimate questions that can be asked and probably should be asked as it pertains to this Mississippi State baseball team. And the, to me, the two that, that pop out more than anything else are – how do they get better defensively? 12 errors through five games yields a 937 fielding percentage. That is horrendous. Chris what would that be like in football? Uh, like 30% completions? 45% of his passes, yeah. Oof. Yeah. Um, it's bad. I, I don't even know. It's almost. It's almost like... If you average twelve penalties a game or something, Ooh. yeah, that's like a just good point. yeah, because it's self inflicted wounds. Yeah, and and not like like dumb like twelve penalties a game, and eight of them are either false starts or you jump off sides. That that might be the football comparison. So errors are part of baseball; they're going to happen. Mississippi State has traditionally been a really good fielding baseball program. Eh, individual teams have their ups and downs, but overall. They're a really good defensive program through the years. Chris Lamonis told us on Monday that he's frustrated with the defense because he's seen these guys in practice and he knows they are better defensively than they are playing so far. So, to me, that's one thing that jumps out. And the other thing that jumps out is 29 walks in 45 innings. That's that, that, that's not good. And then you add six hit batters to that, you're talking about 31 free passes in 45 innings. So... This team's swinging the bat well. 337 team average through five games, double-digit home runs, double-digit doubles. Slugging percentage is good. On-base percentage is good. They're perfect 10 for 10 in stolen bases. Offensively, that doesn't seem to be the area where there should be concern. But the pitching and defense, which are you know kind of like two-thirds of the equation, it does feel like there is reason for concern. So where are we? What are the questions you're asking, hey, Deb? They're the same. I mean, and and you you mentioned the offensive stats. Offensively, this team kind of looks the way I thought that they would. I knew that you know Ledbetter and Larry were going to be solid additions. Uh, you knew what you had with Hancock. Uh, now Hunter Hines has been off to a bad start, and he was you know one of State's best bats a year ago. But you yeah. feel like he'll get that going mm-hmm. uh, eventually. And then you know they've just you know Bryce Chance has been a pleasant surprise. I knew this team was going to struggle pitching wise. I mean, they they just don't have a. F- couple of front-line guys. They don't have a couple of guys they can just put out there on Friday and Saturday night and say, go get me six, seven innings. They don't have those guys. Um, and I knew they were going to have to piece it together. Um, what's bothersome about it is it's the veteran guys that have struggled. Casey Hunt, uh, Parker Stinnett did not pitch well uh, this past weekend. They, they just... they. I mean, Casey Hunt was the guy who came back from, you know, I think he was a 12th round, 13th round pick. Could have gone. 
and you know, he comes back and you're expecting big things from him. I said all offseason, and I'll say it here again, that I really think men, for, um, from a mentality standpoint, an approach standpoint, he's better suited to the bullpen than as a starter. But they're, they're going to, I think they're going to give him another chance this weekend and sort of see where that goes. Okay. Um, the, the best pitchers so far have been your new guys. You saw what uh, Gerangelo Sanjay was able to do yesterday. Bradley Lofton looked pretty good on Tuesday. I think he'll be a big piece going forward. Uh, Evan Seary had a, a good relief appearance on Tuesday. Um, and then, you know, last weekend, I thought that uh, Aaron Nixon in the one inning that he pitched was really good. Nate Dom was really, really good for Mississippi State last weekend. So they've got some guys there. They need their veterans to play like veterans. I, I, I feel confident in Cade Smith. I like what Landon Gartman brings to the table, but they need more from Casey Hunt uh, than they're, they're getting. Defensively, that's just something that is inexplicable and unacceptable. And I, I, I don't, you know, you got a guy like Lane Forsythe who his the tagline on Lane Forsythe for three years has been he's in the lineup for defense. Now he has four errors in six games. Uh, he he's got to be better than that, especially if he's only going to hit you know 180 or whatever he's hitting right now. And then Hunter Hines has just not been good at first base, and that's kind of why he's out. There. I mean, when you combine the fact that he's not hitting the ball well, and now he's not fielding well, well then you can't have him in the lineup. And then you have the ke- the catching issues, which we didn't even talk about. You know the 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 stolen bases that they gave up. I think Ross Highfield, he had three hits yesterday. I think he may have earned his spot behind the plate, and I think Luke Hancock may have to be at first for a while until Hines figures it out. We'll talk college baseball with Eric Sorensen to start the 4 o'clock hour coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. You know I love sports. On Super Talk Mississippi. One, two, get down. You know how much we love college baseball. It's always fun to find other people that uh, have the same passion for it. And uh, our buddy Eric Sorensen from D1 Baseball certainly qualifies on that front. He joins us right now on the Farm Bureau guest line as we begin this 4 o'clock hour on a Thursday, just a day away from the start of week two or weekend number two of the college baseball season. We're coming to you, as always, from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. Eric, it is always nice to visit with you. In uh, in February, that means college baseball is back. And uh, I guess we had a pretty good opening weekend. I don't know that there was a ton of drama out of the uh, the first weekend of the, the season, but that usually is kind of how it begins. Yeah, it's it was a little disappointing. I, in fact, in my column I wrote for this week that's going to be posted probably later on today or early tomorrow, I kind of railed on the college baseball not having very much intrigue to the first weekend. I mean, we did have the those that tournament in Globe Life Stadium, which was nice. Uh, Tennessee going out to Arizona and playing Arizona and, and Grand Canyon and UC San Diego was great. I love that. Stanford down at Fullerton. But other than that, man, it just lacked a lot of umph. I mean, you know how college football, was it like two or three years ago, had the quote-unquote greatest opening weekend in college football history? I wish it would be more of that kind of stuff for college baseball. And last week it was kind of a drag. Um, It's going to kind of ramp up a little bit more this week and then a little bit more next week too. But, yeah, it it was a fine start. I I just wish there was a little bit more intrigue to the college baseball opening. So there was a conversation that started a year ago as Tennessee was rolling through a, uh, a historically good 
regular season. We know how that ended with him getting bounced in the Super Regional in Knoxville to uh, to Notre Dame. Um, but there was a lot of conversation about Tennessee as the villain, and that was good <laughs> for college baseball, that there was like a public enemy number one. Where do you land on that in, in terms of kind of the style that Tony Vitello's team plays? They are not liked by many people that, that don't have orange as a primary color in their wardrobe. What do you make of Tennessee, kind of who they are and, and what they are? Yeah, I, I have mixed emotions on this. Hopefully there's not a lot of Tennessee fans watching, but I really don't like all the, I don't like the bad guy wrestle, wrestler kind of mentality that they have and and the kind of the things that it starts. I think that's the part of it I don't like is the kind of confrontations it can start and has started on the field uh, and in the handshake line. I really hate that. But here's what I'll say about it, Rich. I'm not going to harsh Tony Vitello anything about bringing that kind of attitude to his team, bring it to his program. His program was was really DOA kind of after Dave Serrano just couldn't quite get it done there couple years ago i think they just needed something they needed something powerful something that could really change the landscape uh in and and the and just kind of change the mentality in knoxville and i think he did that and it's great to see tennessee doing so well i think it just kind of shows even in your even if you're in the sec like a vanderbilt even if you're in the toughest conference in the country you can build something there really quickly um, when you have the facilities, when you have the recruiting and all that. So I, I don't like it per se when I'm at a game and watching them play, but I love the overall umbrella of it all. I know this is kind of a contradictory answer, but the overall umbrella of it all is what made ten- it's what made Tennessee come back to relevance. And I think that's cool. I think that was something that kind of, you know, it, it needed. And, and I think the fans really buy into it as well, not just the players, but the fans do as well. So yeah, mixed, mixed bag there for that answer, but that's kind of what I'm stuck with on this one. So I sat down a week ago today with Mike Bianco and did kind of a long-form interview that, that we played on the show, and one of the things that I asked him was about the health of college baseball overall. Not, hey, you won a national championship, is it healthy? But when you look at it from a big picture, it was kind of the backdrop of some of the rules changes with the clocks and trying to speed the game up and, and just kind of generally. Yeah. And, and he kind of lit up with where he thinks the game of college baseball is. Now, we are in a part of the country where it matters a lot. You you know that. You live in a part of the country where it matters less, but I'm curious when you look at it from a national standpoint, do you see momentum for college baseball? Do you see a healthy game that is growing, or is that very regional? Yeah, I... (sighs) I, I, I'm a little troubled by it, to be honest with you. And, and this is half the reason I love your show, Rich. I love doing this stuff with you because these are the kind of thing, conversations I like to have. It's troubling for me a little bit for a number of reasons. I, I mean, in one, in one sense, baseball's never been better, and that's true. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, building the new stadium downtown for Omaha, where it's gotten more, more run. Uh, ESPN's picked up the ball a little bit more. I think all of that is good. The parts I kind of bristle at, NIL is something we're never going to be able to change now. And, and NIL is fine. I think it's good because I've always been a fan of giving players due when they, you know, when their image is being used. I think it's kind of gone 100 110 miles an hour crazy the opposite way. But that's tough. I think the also the transfer portal is really tough because college baseball is not like football and basketball. You have these summer leagues that these kids go and play in it. You know, Cape Cod League, the Alaska League, the Northwoods, the California Collegiate League, all of these summer teams. 
it's kind of brought back the whole thing of well you know you know i i, I you know I, I play for miss let's say just as an example i'm not saying this has happened in specific but i play for mississippi state and i see that you're really you're a good player there at wichita state but you know if you want to come to mississippi state and play in front of ten thousand fans every day and, and get this kind of nil money yeah come come play with us next year so these kind of recruiting things happen mm. in these summer leagues that you don't have in football and basketball and that's a little bit troubling too but otherwise, I mean, Rich, you look around and, and every place, and not just the SEC, but certainly the SEC, but the Big Ten especially, even in the Pac-12, uh, the ACC for sure, everybody's really ramped up uh, the facilities and, and, and gotten better coaching in, col- in the college game now. And I think that's the part that I'm most excited about. Uh, maybe Mike Yeko was kind of alluding to that as well. I'm not sure. But that's the part that I like the most is that it's really ramped up in the last five, ten years, um, not just in the SEC, but in all across the country. But, yeah, I think just the way the game is going, it's going to be a long time before the SEC becomes a weak conference or anything like that. So as yeah. far as in your neck of the woods, in your neck of the woods, it's great. There's nothing wrong with the game, and it's never been better for sure. Yeah, and, and I just wonder if there's like a feed-the-beast mentality also when you talk about the SEC because w- when you think about I'll, I'll use a couple of local examples and then a couple with LSU as well. So Paul Skeens, yeah. right? I mean, he wants to leave the Air Force Academy. Okay, maybe that's a little bit different, and so he's going to go where he can, and he ends up, it, it comes down, I think, to LSU and Mississippi State, and ultimately he goes to LSU, and it's probably an NIL thing. You know, Tommy yeah. Tanks leads a good program in the ACC to go to LSU. Best player on NC State's team, gone. And then, like for example, you look at Ole Miss. They're starting first baseman, Anthony Calarco, was the best player at Northwestern. But Big Ten yeah. baseball compared to SEC baseball, Ethan Groff is the best player on Tulane's team. Well, he leaves Tulane, which is a traditionally good baseball program, and he's the starting center fielder for Ole Miss. I just wonder if there's a way to, to slow that down. And it's like there's a gap between the SEC and everybody else, and I just wonder if it's getting wider, like to a point where it can't be crushed. Yeah. Yeah, I I won't go quite that far because you're always going to have, you know, I mean, Florida State, Miami, te- well, I was going to say Texas, look where they're going now. But, you know, TCU, <laughs> for instance, Baylor, I, and, and then out west, I, I think that Arizona's the Arizona State, Stanford, of course, you're still going to have those teams. Um, but it is weird because a few years ago, I used to say, well, you know, you're always going to have a Cal State Fullerton or you're always going to have you know, somebody like Long Beach State or something like that. And they've kind of rough, yeah. fallen on rough times because they don't have the money in the California uh, school system. Like, they just don't have that kind of the, that kind of money for those kind of facilities. So they put it into really good coaches. But, yeah, I, I still think – but to your point a little bit, the SEC is definitely widening a, a shade, I would say, yeah. But I don't think they're ever going to get so wide that they, they just – they surpass, you know, Florida State's, Miami's, and Virginia's, and, and, uh, and North Carolina's, and all that. Um, but yeah, the other part, the other kind of part, it's not a two, I know you didn't have a two part question, but the other part about that whole transfer thing is, and it's a little troubling because, you know, I'm a, I'm an Omaha native and I'm a big Creighton university fan fan. And, uh, I see some of their best players last year, almost treated like, okay, if I can do this good at a mid major or at, you know, a team in the big East, well, then I should certainly be able to go, you know, maybe now I'm ready to go down, you know, play somewhere like a Mississippi State or something like that or or at LSU. So I find that a little troubling that it's become a thing where it seems like the uh, mid-majors are like a proving ground. And once you've done that and you can move on up, I know you're given examples like NC State and, and you know, there are other, you know, other teams that, you know, 
or Tulane, for example. But to me, that's the other troubling part is a lot of this with the transfer portal. It's just it's like a proving ground for mid majors, and then they move on to uh, some you know big money U is kind of the thing. Eric, the next time we visit, we'll have uh, we'll have more results to talk about and have a uh, a better handle. <laughs> What some of these teams are and uh, what some of these teams look like. Uh, I enjoy, though, a big-picture college baseball conversation with you for yeah. the first visit of the year. Thank you, my friend. No, man, that's really smart. I like it too, Rich. Thanks for sharing the airwaves. We'll talk to you soon. That's Eric Sorensen. You can read his work at d1baseball.com. You can follow him on Twitter as well at Stitch underscore head, one of our favorites. We've been visiting, talking college baseball with Eric Sorensen for a long time now, over a decade, I think. Good stuff, as always. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll take a quick timeout. More with you after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports. On your radio and in the game. Super Talk Mississippi. Our text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. And that is right here in C Spire country. We'll go back to our Mississippi State baseball conversation and kind of put a bow on that here in a couple of minutes. But, Eric kind of went down a path that that we have not talked about a lot. I guess we've talked about it from the standpoint of baseball is a huge deal in Mississippi. Baseball is a huge deal in the SEC. We want college baseball to be a big deal nationally. Guys, do you think it matters? Kind of from our perspective, if college baseball is big in California and Ohio and Michigan and Yes. New Hampshire. And here's why I say yes. And it may be a minute thing and, and people don't really care, but baseball is now and will forever be a sport that Ole Miss and Mississippi State can routinely compete for championships in, regardless of how popular it gets elsewhere. There is a significant amount of care that exists here that even if it improves elsewhere, will never reach this level. And buddy... Wait till the scholarships become full for everybody. There's how many programs in college baseball that truly like we've have been waiting on that for a while, Borky. Uh, but it's coming. It, it will come. Maybe. It's happening. There's no, I mean, in the vote, like in May or something, like it's coming. Either way, how many programs in college baseball have players that truly make anything in NIL? What is it? Fewer than ten. Hmm. Maybe even a, maybe a little more than that, but it's not many. But you're two of them. So, yeah. being able to routinely compete for championships in a sport that grows in popularity is exclusively good for your school. 
if winning a championship in baseball and going to Omaha in baseball starts mattering more and more and more, your trips there give a greater return back to your school. So yes, baseball growing in popularity and becoming a bigger deal is great for us around here because it's something we're good at. And it seems unlikely that a, a, another power is just going to crop up out of nowhere, especially when you think about it in terms of recruiting. I mean, you know, Borky mentions the North. I mean, it's just difficult. There's not a lot of, of, of ability to play baseball in the North because of weather. And this is where the most of the recruits are here in the South. And Mississippi State and Ole Miss will always be able to recruit very well at that level. And I don't see a, a, like a, I don't, I don't think ten years down the road, let's say that the, the sport continues to grow, that all of a sudden Rutgers or Penn State yeah. or somebody becomes a baseball power. Yeah, but I guess I'm thinking about it from the standpoint of, well, you've got roughly the same number of college baseball and college basketball teams. Right, I mean, we know football is significantly smaller, but we're just you know within the same ballpark. And this has the potential to be a really big year for the SEC in terms of teams in the NCAA tournament with eight. If let's say college baseball, like like it it rises and becomes a big deal everywhere, where the Big Twelve is getting seven teams to, you know, in and the Big Ten gets six teams in, and the ACC gets six teams in, and you know it's spread. Does that become? Does that make it more difficult? Like, I mean, do you get to a spot where instead of getting ten in, the SEC is only getting seven or eight in? Or with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma, as things are right now, the RPI, the way it's built. I mean, it's just going to feed on itself, and I mean, yeah. you're going to look. You're going to have 16 SEC teams and and 14 of them in the top 50 or the top 75. You know, whatever the the, the metric is for for college baseball. Yeah, unless they start putting like caps on how many teams can get in per conference. It, yeah, I mean, you're not going to have that. It's an interesting counter, though. Yeah, uh, I mean. But the the SEC getting more difficult in basketball is only added bids, like you said. I mean, it, it's only increased the access. There there were years where the SEC was a three bid league, man. Yeah, and that, uh, never is a, a big word, but that may never happen again. Hopefully not. Hopefully not, because that would stink. But so, and I don't know if they're going to end up with eight when it's all said and done this year. I mean, that's that's a lot. Yeah, maybe for, seven for, or for even a pretty six. Pretty average but... league. I mean, right? I mean, you got Alabama really good at the top, and Texas A and M better than anybody thought they were going to be. And after that, it's just kind of like, eh. yeah. I mean, Auburn, Auburn, if they had lost to Ole Miss last night, would have had some uncomfortable games yeah. coming up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the I mean, half the league is going to make the tournament. So the increased investment and buy in and all that has has created more access. It's it's funny how that's. That's worked out, but as it sits right now, because I had somebody ask me the other day, like, why do we're talking about the old Miss Outfield project that's coming? Mm-hmm. And this is a guy that loves basketball, one of the rare old Miss fans that doesn't care about baseball but wants basketball to win at the highest level. And his point is, you know, old Miss already has like this great stadium and this great atmosphere. Does it really need? Millions more. Like, why why spend the millions of dollars on baseball when you've already got everything you need and the sport doesn't make any money and all that? That's kind of his position. 
Yeah. And I, I can't no, help but... A, the, the, the position is flawed because baseball does make money. Right, but not and, like... And if a, you took the... Well, I mean, if you took the TV, which I understand, you can't take the TV piece out of it, right? Football drives everything, but the secondary driver of the TV contract is basketball. But if you took the, the revenue from television out of what basketball generates, baseball generates more now at Ole Miss in terms of revenue than basketball does. That's what happens when you have years of a bad product, but that's a conversation maybe for well, later I, in the show I, or a different day. But. Yeah, I mean, part that's part of it, but the other part of it is demand for what has been for two decades a consistently good product. Yeah. And every time you create more opportunity, it, it's gobbled up. Mm-hmm. I mean, people make fun of the the big seating structure beyond the right field wall that, that's temporary, understandably so, but there was such a demand for premium seating that you wouldn't believe what they're charging to sit out there. And it's 500 feet from home plate. Yeah. And then there will be a nice permanent structure on both sides with even more of those very expensive seats. But I, I guess I, I answered his question with a question that I, I wonder if they see a chance for baseball to be a viable financial option on an annual basis for more than just a very small handful of teams, which is why the the clock rules are a thing that they care about. I don't know if you've noticed, and we talk about this some, especially in the offseason because it's the offseason, nothing on television does well anymore except for live sports. Nothing. And, and And then within the subset of live sports, nothing really does that well other than football. Pretty much. But there's going to come a point where even not highly watched or not very popular live sports still have value yeah. for these these television networks because nothing else does. I mean, Last of Us does great on HBO, but guess what? That's not live TV. Even though they air it live on HBO's channel, I watch it on their app. Like, even the most popular television show right now is still an app. Sports is all, and I wonder if... There's no MASH, hey, Dad. No, 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 more, no more MASH. Nah. I wonder if they think... No, who you shot know, JR? <laughs> I watched the new Dallas. It was okay, but... One that's good. Yeah, and just... Was that streaming, or was that on a channel? It was on a channel. It was on a channel. Yeah. Like TNT brought it back. Did something like that a few years ago. Okay. But... I mean, you're, I think you're going to get to a point where maybe baseball becomes viable, and so they think, you know, maybe we should dress up our st- everybody, not Ole Miss or State, because the fan demand, like you said. But maybe we should dress up our stadium a little bit, make it more accessible, because down the road, people are going to make us care, just like they did in basketball. Yeah. I don't know. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Uh, a couple of questions uh, about Mississippi State, kind of going back to that. And we'll, we'll come back to this on the other side of the break, but just kind of laying the foundation here. Dwayne and Brandon, my biggest question is why are they not consistent? They blow teams out in some games, but later um, is the next day it's the same team. And, and look, I mean, the sample size is really small right now. Right? I mean, you've got convincing win... Blown lead, convincing win, butt whipping, butt whipping, but one in each direction. And that's five games, and that's what it's been for Mississippi State. Um, we'll pick up the conversation with catcher 
when we come back. That's the last thing that Haydad was talking about before uh, the, the end of the 3 o'clock hour and before we talked with Eric Sorensen. And there is a troubling number when you look at the stat sheet in terms of what teams are doing on the base paths against Mississippi State. Did Chris Lamonis find the answer over the course of the last two games? We'll address that next. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, to the junction, in the groove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome again to Sports Talk Mississippi. You uh, you want to be a part of the conversation. The ceasefire text line is open to you. We'd love to hear from you this afternoon. 601-879-4395. Don't forget the country music superstar Morgan Wallen is coming to Oxford. And Super Talk Mississippi is giving you a chance to win tickets. Just enter your name at one of the registration boxes located throughout the state. For example, Hamilton Nutrition in Hamilton. Be quick in Macomb or at Weathers Auto Supply in Corinth. And to get the full list of places that you can register, go to supertalk.fm slash Morgan Wallen. Winners will get two sweet seat tickets to see Morgan Wallen at Vaughn Hemingway Stadium on April 23rd. It's all brought to you by First South Farm Credit, King's Daughters Medical Center, Jumpstart Test Prep, and Toyota of Brookhaven. Hey, Dad, I said we would talk about the, the catcher position, which you brought up when we were talking a little while ago. When you look at the defensive stat sheet for Mississippi State, you see the SBA and CSB columns. SBA is stolen bases attempted. CSB is caught stealing base. Opponents are 14 of 15. Actually, 15 of 16 on the year in stolen bases. You said that you think that is leading to a change at that position, at least in the short term. Tell me more. Yeah, and I think, if I'm correct, 11 of those stolen bases are in one game, the Saturday game against uh, VMI. Yeah. It was a big part of the reason VMI was able to get back into the game and take the lead is they had complete control on the base paths. Um, Luke Hancock... For whatever reason, has just not defensively been able to get the job done at catcher, and I and I think that you know when you combine that with the fact that Hunter Hines is struggling defensively and at the plate at first, and Luke Hancock, as we know, is an outstanding defensive first baseman since he you know he played there the past few years. Uh, I think that's the move right now is to to put Hancock at first, to put uh, Ross Highfield, the true freshman, behind the plate. And then, you know, Kellum Clark, he's injured right this second. So that, that, that gives you a little room to work with. You can play Bryce Chance and Hunter Hines. Hunter Hines needs at-bats. 
I know he's going to start hitting eventually. He's too good a player yeah. not to. What's Clark's injury? But right now, defensively. Didn't he hit two home runs on uh, I think he t- Sunday? I, yeah, I think I think he took a foul ball off the leg, and uh, okay. he, might, he might be out this weekend. But we'll okay. see. Um, but nothing serious. He's just he's just yeah. a little banked up. Um, but for for but for a team that's struggling as bad as it is defensively, you know, letting guys on base, they can't let you know, if they're getting them on first. They can't let them go to second and third at will the way they did in that game on Saturday. And Highfield is just a better defensive option for you behind the plate. And then, like I said yesterday, he had three hits, including a couple of doubles. You know, he looks like he can get it done with the bat as well. That I think right now that's that's the best the best lineup for State is Highfield behind the plate and Hancock at first. So you think overall Ross Highfield is a little bit better defensive? He he's got three pass balls in what mm-hmm. two games played behind the plate. I mean that that part of it clearly yeah. has to be cleaned up. But in terms up, of me. controlling the base pads, uh, yeah, I think he's a better option there for sure. Yeah. Whew. You, um, I'm sure, I, I don't know how many people took for granted, but you're reminded of what you have with Logan, Logan Tanner. Plate. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just, it, 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 it was funny, like, if you look at his, his ratio of guys he threw out, it's it's not spectacular. It's not like he just threw out everybody he, he ran on him. It's just that nobody ran on him. Like, right. he, the teams just didn't, they just didn't even say, like, never mind, you know. If you did run on him, you could have success. But everybody knew that the chances were, were not good against him. So, um, Hunter agrees. He says, the guy that caught the last two games seemed to be pretty solid. This team has me nervous. There's been some bright spots with young pitchers on the mound, but there's a lot that makes me scratch my head. I'm not going to overreact because it's so early. And we saw what Ole Miss did last year after struggling most of the season. But hopefully they can get comfortable and figure things out. This weekend's important. Yeah, I mean, it's very important. It's very, it's as big a non-conference series as I can remember uh, in recent years. Just because state needs something positive, they need some momentum. You know, they come out of this weekend, and who are they playing? Southern Miss. So, I mean, that's going to be a really tough game as well. If you lose this series to Arizona State, and then you lose to Southern Miss on 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 Tuesday, I mean, you're just, and then you got to go to the uh, the tournament out there in. in uh, where are they in Round Rock? I'm, I'm, I think that's where they are. Frisco, right. Frisco, Frisco. Um, I mean, that's that's a tough stretch, you know. Not that, and I think I said this on the podcast. You know, Cal, Oklahoma, Ohio State. You know, not super powerful baseball programs. I know Oklahoma played for a national title last year. I don't remember yeah. who they lost to. That's not important. Uh, they they those programs though are, are Wait, games you played, should be able to. They win. played for the title. Oklahoma did. Oklahoma did. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember who they lost. Did to. it go three it's games or did it? They just lose it in two. I think it went to again. Again, all of this is irrelevant to my point about Mississippi State. Uh. <laughs> yeah, but let's talk more about Oklahoma. <laughs> no, no, no. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Um, <laughs> I mean, State needs to pile up some wins. They need to stack some wins. They need to get some positive momentum. Otherwise, everybody's just going to be looking at it and saying, "Okay, it's the same as last year." They, they they need that that momentum that will come with a series win this week against Arizona State. Looking at Arizona State last year, I mean Arizona State's another one of these programs, right? Brand name, you know, especially if you're a college baseball fan, you know that back eighties, nineties, two thousands, Arizona State was always a good program. Last year they weren't great, thirteen and seventeen in the Pac twelve. They need to be Mississippi State needs to be able to get this series this weekend, and really they need to be able to get Southern Miss on 
on Tuesday. That's a really tall order. I, I would not pick State to win that game, but they need to find a way to do it and, and stack up some wins before they get into conference play. In the 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 league schedule for Mississippi State and Ole Miss is almost inverse. Right? You, yeah, you look at the way it that it's laid out for the first six weeks of conference play. Now, listen, the backdrop is there are no easy weekends in the SEC. Right, we we know that, but not all weekends are created exactly the same. So for Mississippi State, it starts on the road against Kentucky, and then you got Vanderbilt, who's got a couple of losses already. Then you got South Carolina, who's it looks like their weekend rotation is really good, but I got to be sold on South Carolina before I'm buying it. I'm not just blindly buying South Carolina. Then a road trip to Alabama. Then Ole Miss in Starkville, and a road trip to Auburn. So that that's the first six weekends. Now, last four weekends at Tennessee, Arkansas, LSU, Texas A and M. Rough. I mean, Ole Miss is undoubtedly the most difficult opponent based on where we are today in the first six weekends of the season for Mississippi State, and that happens in the fifth weekend. And we know that Mississippi State has had a lot of success against Ole Miss, whether they were really good or not so good. I mean, we, we've seen that in recent years. You, you flip that around and you look at Ole Miss's schedule. They open with Vanderbilt on the road. And then they host Florida, who's looked really good. Then they go to A&M. Then they host Arkansas. Then they go to Mississippi State. Then they host LSU. I mean, the back half is Georgia at home, at Missouri, Auburn at home, and at Alabama. It, it and, and so I say the inverse. I mean, if you're Mississippi State, you're like, man, you got to stack some wins up in those first six weeks because it's going to be hard in the final month of the regular season. You, know, you, you ought to be able to get a few, but if you think that over the final four weekends of the regular season, you're just going to roll out an eight and four without blinking, whew, good luck. Flip side for Ole Miss, first six weekends, you're like, can you, to some degree, tread water? Now, I don't You're think a that's game the... over five hundred at that point. At the end of the six weeks, you are you are locked and loaded to host. I mean, so so well, it'd be two games over. So so through yeah, eighteen games, games yeah. if you're ten and eight after six weekends in the SEC against that schedule, you're going twenty and ten, something like that. I would think. Well, it depends I mean, on how much. Hunter Elliott misses, right? I, I think 10 and 8 True. after that stretch without him is an unrealistic ask. If they do that, then you might start you know, picking out hotels in Omaha. But if th- that would be a tough ask without him, if that is in fact what happens. Which we've had a few messages, no news. Just the same thing that we knew yesterday, which is very little. Yeah. And look, I mean, ultimately, it's going to come down to what an orthopedic surgeon decides. And I have it on pretty good authority that they have sent the MRI to multiple highly thought of orthopedic surgeons who specialize in arm care, and they're just waiting on them to review the results and and get back to it. Get back to him. I'll be honest. I think the fact that you didn't get immediate responses. I, maybe they're just busy and haven't looked at them yet. 
But the fact that you didn't get two immediate responses, let's just say they sent it to four people who are like, schedule the surgery now, that might be a good sign. It might not mean anything, but it might be a good sign. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. This is a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Scrolling through the website of Sky Cave Retreats, this is the uh, the darkness place where Aaron Rodgers spent a little bit of time. Yeah, he's a fraud, by the way. In his room that he stayed in, you can turn the lights on at any time. They're controlled from the inside. Yeah. All the other rooms are controlled from the outside. You're supposed to spend days in darkness. He spent days in a room where you controlled the darkness. That's a fraud. Well, what if he didn't turn on the lights? Well, then stay in one of the rooms that doesn't give you the option. Really commit to the bit, Aaron. I mean, maybe he had the mental toughness to... Maybe that's part of it. It's like you could flip on the light switch, but you're not going to. There you go. What a weirdo. Great player, but... Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, don't you love this story on ESPN? Aaron Rodgers has emerged from his <laughs> darkness retreat, according to the owner of the facility in Southern Oregon, where the Green Bay Packers quarterback spent the past several days and nights. If he saw his shadow, it means the Jets. <laughs> if he didn't, it means the Raiders. It's all a scam, Borky. Don't you know that's predetermined? <laughs> Rod- Rodgers is going to teach us, uh, going to redo Socrates' parable of the cave as a, as a result of this. You know what the difficult philosophy idea? The, the crazy difficult thing about this is this place is gorgeous outside, but you're stuck inside. <laughs> I mean, why not go enjoy the beauty of nature during the day and then go to your darkness place? I don't know. Ah, I don't get it. it Why don't we just turn off the lights in here for all three of us and just do the show in a darkness retreat the rest of the way? See how it goes. Yeah. Can't believe Blue Earth wasn't with him, although they broke up. It's a shame. His, uh, his, his now ex-girlfriend, uh, I think she went by the name of Blue Earth. She was like a holistic spiritual influencer on Instagram or something. I think that was her name. Well, I didn't. I think she referred to herself as a witch. Actually, it's Blue of Earth. Blue of Earth. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's uh, he's apparently dating the uh, the daughter of the Milwaukee Bucks owner. So, (laughs) what a change of pace. Who refers to herself as Blue of Earth? No, that Blue of Earth is his ex. Now his his new ah okay his apparent relationship is refers to herself as Deer of Earth. (laughs) Deer of Earth. Or just Mallory. Maybe she's. Maybe he found something normal. We'll see. Of Milwaukee. <laughs> is Which, Aaron of course, Rogers is Algonquin for with... the good earth. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Aaron Rodgers and Blue of Earth appear to have split as she takes MVP Ooh, shot yeah. at the quarterback. It looks like Aaron Rodgers and the woman he was linked to following his split from Shailene Woodley are now over. That's from Christmas Day 2022. 
Yeah, he and the other, so Woodley, like she had never been to a football game. Like she was, weren't they engaged or something? And like she doesn't know anything about it, like didn't go to football, like doesn't know football. It was just, what a facet. I can't decide if he's interesting or he wants so bad to be interesting. You know what I mean? There are some people where that's just them. You know, I'm going to go do a darkness retreat. And like that fits that person. I knew a guy in college that if he told me he was doing something like that, I'd be like, yeah, that, that's you. That's what you do. I can't decide if Aaron Rodgers does that so people think he's interesting as opposed to actually like wanting to do stuff like that. Maybe he's just different. Well, that he is. He Built different. Yeah. Fit the mold of a traditional NFL quarterback that we can put in a nice little box, and it's like, okay, they do this, and they study film, and they are boring. And But the thing know. is, he does all that, too. He does. Yeah, and he the, plays golf. It's not like he's putting the, the game work. I mean, all, the, all this crap aside... If the Jets get him, what? I know he's on the tail end of his career and stuff, but who? That would be significant. They would be an instant contender. I think the Raiders have more problems than just quarterback, but he's still an elite level quarterback, despite all the weird. Mm. Blue of Earth is a well-known American podcaster, social media influencer, motivational speaker, lifestyle blogger, author, and entrepreneur. According to her Instagram page, she is presently the presenter of Deja Blue, B-L-U, podcast programs. (laughs) (sighs) I bet she lives in a commune. I don't know. Bet she's ripe. <laughs> Jeez. Just from looking at her, she's had a lot of different looks. It appears. Yeah, maybe maybe Jordan's the normal one. I know you guys aren't the biggest fan. That'd be funny Jordan after all Rogers. these years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, may Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at SuperTalk.fm and SuperTalk TV. Five o'clock hour coming up. Next. It's big. Brace yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon, wherever you're listening, however you are listening. Glad to have you along for the ride. Perhaps on one of the Supertalk Mississippi radio stations all across the Magnolia State. You can be a part of the conversation on the Ceasefire text line, 601 879 4395. Check out cspire.com. You can find out 
about the deals that they have going on wireless devices, but also on uh, wireless plans. Great plans, whether you are looking for prepaid, home, business, or traditional wireless. They've got you covered at Seaspire. Visit them online at cspire.com. Coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio, PearlRiverResort.com. It's where you can find out about everything that is happening there. Let's get into a little bit of a uh, college football fix, shall we? College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. BuyFordNow.com is where you start your search for a new Ford vehicle, but you're certainly not going to stop there. You can test drive the F-150 as part of Truck Month at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Borky, you want to you pose a question today? Yeah, and I don't think we should just do one answer. Give me a couple, okay, or a few, or however many you think this applies to. Not who is on the hot seat. We'll do that later. Although I think that's kind of a one-person answer anyway. But what coaches in the SEC have the most to prove in 2023? Who has the most to prove this season in the Southeastern Conference at the head coach position? I think the obvious answer is Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. That, that's where I would start. It's like a free space. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like maybe we need to set that one to the side. But, yeah, I mean, and, and it's not just because of how much he's being paid. I mean, surely that factors into it, yes. If you're being compensated at the level that Jimbo Fisher is being compensated, then there is an expectation for you to produce results far beyond the results that Jimbo and A&M are, are producing. But if we set that obvious answer aside, I got I got three. In no particular order, Sam Pittman, Eli Drinkwitz, Billy Napier. Sam Pittman, Arkansas has made a big commitment to him. He's made a big commitment to them. He wants to be their guy. They want him to be their guy. He's got a returning quarterback. There aren't a bunch of those in the SEC. He's had a ton of turnover the last two offseasons in both his coaching staff and on his roster. There's been a lot of fun talk around Sam Pittman and Arkansas and what a great fit they are for each other. They need to they need to be talking about some results this year. So I think Sam Pittman this season, a little bit of something to prove going into year four. Billy Napier only going into year two, but it was up and down last year, right? I mean, up and down and up and down and up and down, and they never really got consistency from the quarterback spot. And it's been a wild offseason for them with the whole Jaden Rashada thing and collectives and who's in and who's out. And now he's got a first-year defensive coordinator that was at Southern Miss and then went to be the linebackers coach at Alabama. Now he's the defensive coordinator at Florida, and there's some familiarity there and all that stuff. But the expectations at Florida are really, really high. we got a little something to prove in year two. Because Napier was the guy that took his time, right? He stayed in one place for a really long time, and he waited for the right opportunity. He waited for the right job. He didn't just jump at a job. He waited for the job that he believed was the right job. 
Okay, he got the right job in his mind at Florida. And now year two needs to be a little bit of a step. And then the Daylight Drinkwitz thing, I mean, it's like, they're going to pay him that. Go win more than six games. Go Just go win more than six, man. Go prove that you're worth $6 million a year. Or seven or whatever it was they landed on that they're paying him. Yeah. Does somebody need to prove that he's worth nine million dollars a year? That, that's where I was going to go. That that's that's what caused me to that's pose the, the question. Jimbo Fisher's a free space. Lane Kiffin has a lot to prove, and not just necessarily on the football field, but off of it as well. Because the the end of last season was a disaster. They looked woefully underprepared when they got dominated by Arkansas. They lose a home egg bowl. They, they lose in a bowl game where the, the fourth down decision-making was borderline reckless, and then there's the Auburn stuff. And regardless of how you feel about why the Auburn thing was the way it was, whether you think it was a media creation or just Jimmy Sexton or just Richard Cross, how dare he say what he said on the radio, even though he only told the truth. E- either way. Um, Wait, are there people that still think that was a media creation? Yes. The, the number's shrinking, but yes. Uh, they, they do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it was handled terribly. Wow. It was. <laughs> and you like to be friends with those people? I know, right? And, and so now, in all of that mess, Ole Miss is giving you a, a what? Almost $2 million raise. You're making, at the moment, around a top 10 salary in college football. And it's not just your salary, it's you want to fire your defensive coordinator and go get Alabama's for $2 million a year? Okay. Plus, you had to pay a buyout to get him. Had to pay a buyout to get him. And then your staff continues to increase. Analysts, there's more money for that than there ever has been. When you leak to Chris Lowe that if you leave Ole Miss, it's because of NIL, fans literally raise millions of, do- millions of dollars to put into your NIL fund. When you want to add... A quarterback. You do it. And guess what? Both of the quarterbacks they added in this offseason just signed with the collective when you had an incumbent starter. Everything that he has asked for that Ole Miss can provide, they have. And the investment doesn't necessarily change the job or the pecking order, so it's a little bit complex. But you got to prove it now. You said NIL wasn't enough, they raised millions. You, 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 you have at every turn asked for things and they've given it to you. You can't have another November like the one you just had. Because the schedule did get tougher. Notice I didn't fault him for losing to Alabama. That was a bad Arkansas team. Uh, sorry, State fans. Wasn't a great Mississippi State team you lost to at home. And I don't know if we've given enough... Uh, enough... Oh, what's the way to describe it? It's not credit. Have we talked enough about the fact that that Alabama loss sent Ole Miss into a tailspin? And here's what I mean by that. How many times in recent years have we said, you can't let Alabama beat you twice? Right? You lose to Alabama, but then you lose the next week because there's, like, maybe it's physical, maybe it's mental, whatever it is. I think there's an argument to, it was like, all of the eggs were in the Alabama basket. And when that didn't work out, whew, I mean, wind fully out of the sails, 
plus all the other stuff. There's another side of, of what Kevin has to prove, too, and that's he has put himself on this island of I'm going to recruit 10 to 12, 15 high school kids, and I'm going to do everything else through the portal, and he's really the only one doing that. Everybody else is still recruiting 20-plus, 25-plus high school kids and using the portal to try to fill spots and not completely build around the portal. Year one of that did not work out the way they wanted it to. We'll see what year two brings, but that's another thing to prove for Lane Kiffin. Are there other coaches that should be on this list of things to prove? I liked the Napier pick. I mean, it, Napier and, and Pittman are good picks. Fisher, say, obviously. Say what you will about how this has happened, but they were bad offensively last year with what probably is going to be at this point a top 10 pick at quarterback. Regardless, still, if you, if you, yeah, there, there's still people that are looking at that going, you got to be kidding me. But. I'm one of those people. I, I don't see it myself, yeah. but he's going to test really well. Yeah, My gosh, absolutely. when he shows up to the combine, they're going to be like, wait, this kid can run the way he can? He can throw? Ooh, okay, the, the sign NFL's me up. not quite the NBA in terms of drafting on potential and, and like skills, especially at quarterback, but they're not as far as some might make them out to be. They'll take a risk on a guy that's got all the all the tools. Yeah. And Anthony Richardson has all the tools, except for being able to consistently hit open receivers. He didn't have that tool. It's a, it's a big tool. Yeah, well. But, I mean, have you seen his box jump? <laughs> but yeah, he's going to wow guys with his arm, with the way that it explodes out of his hand, with the way that runs, the way he moves, you know, with his shirt off, all of those things. He's going he's gonna to wow people with that. But he didn't wow under Napier. He did not. Anthony Richardson or Will Levis? Richardson. Oh, huh. <laughs> Just a grunt. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. different thoughts about this, and all I can think about is Waterboy. Yep. I mean, it's it's the most obscure, great movie soundtrack maybe ever. If you go through the soundtrack, I think I probably said this on the, on the radio before, if you go through the soundtrack of Waterboy, you're like, wow, they kind of nailed it on that one. I mean, Forrest Gump is probably at the top of the list in terms of movie soundtracks. Yeah. Is there is there an obvious that I'm missing? I'm sure there is, but I can't think of it. <clears throat> I, I'm not talking about, like, Kenny Loggins' Top Gun stuff. Yeah. I mean, CCR, Lenny Kravitz... The Doors, Joe Walsh, Big Head Todd and the Monsters, Allman Brothers, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Rush, John Mellencamp. 
Yeah, that'll do it. I mean, that's that's a pretty strong movie soundtrack for an Adam Sandler film, no less. You left off Goldfinger. What's wrong with you? What did I? You, you didn't oh. like the '90s ska I love man? You more today than yesterday. Yeah, but gold, not as I like, much. I like as one Goldfinger song because of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. They're more than just that one Tony song. Hawk's Pro Skater. That is absolutely correct. Great song. I, I, get up, get up, I've get gotten, up, get up. Uh, I've gotten two suggestions: the Big Chill soundtrack. Daisy uh, Confused is a good one. Let's see here for the Big Chill. I'm just giving you artists. I'm not necessarily giving you. Uh, Aretha Ooh, Franklin, that's a good one. The Exciters, The Temptations, Smokey Robinson, Three Dog Night, The Rascals, The Miracles, Marvin Gaye. Yeah, okay, that's pretty good. It's good. Uh, I also got a uh, Blue Chips soundtrack. Really? I don't know the soundtrack. Somebody texted Goldfinger Dave sucks. Are you, putting... you have no culture. What? Soundtrack for Blue Chips. Al Green, Nile Rodgers, Slim Harpo, John Lee Hooker, John Mellencamp. Guardians of the Galaxy. That's a great submission. That is a great soundtrack. I was going to say that a second ago. But I've never watched Guardians of the Galaxy, and I was afraid I was about to say something, honestly, that was going to fall into one of these, like, Black Crows, Pat Green conversations, <laughs> where y'all were going to be like, you moron, that's not even a movie, it's just a, it's like a video game soundtrack. Uh, so, I didn't no, say it, but yes. You Guardians haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy? No. How, how old's your oldest? Ah, uh, Twelve. Okay, so still a little young. I think you would enjoy that. That would be a good movie to watch with like a 15-year-old. Like it's a very fun superhero movie that I don't know if you would enjoy watching by yourself knowing what I know about your taste, but I think like you would enjoy that with your kids. But 12, there's a, some adult references that you don't want a 12-year-old to hear. I think Will East was the first one that told me about the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack and it's two volumes and he's got it on vinyl. And he's like that's just one. You just put it on track one and let yeah, it play. Yeah, it's really good. Herschel had a great submission. Really a Knight's Tale is an elite-level soundtrack. What a great movie. You, you guys have seen A Knight's Tale. I know you have. Heath Ledger. I, have. I, mean, I mean, just a movie that you sit down and watch. It, it probably didn't win anything, but it is just an entertaining, very fun and funny movie that is ageless. But that soundtrack is easy, just elite. The Good Morning Vietnam soundtrack. I can believe that one. The Vogues, the Riveras, Martha and the Vandellas, the Beach Boys, James Brown, Louis Armstrong, Wayne Fontana, the Marvelettes, the Searchers, the Castaways. Okay. All right. I don't have a uh, I don't have an issue with that. Sports talk Mississippi. You guys love it when we get off on one of oh, these I do. tangents, and it comes from the most innocuous thing. Yeah. Okay, Saturday Night Fever. Yes, another one. Yes, although it's a little bit cheating when it's like a movie about music. Yeah, 
Like Rock of Ages, I, although I never saw it because I'm not like a musical guy, despite loving that genre of music, I'm sure it has an awesome soundtrack. I just refuse right. to watch it. Yeah, but, but your movie's about music. Wait, hold on, they, hold on. Is they, Rock they of Ages, count. is that Tom Cruise and Catherine Zeta-Jones and the whole, or was that a different? Yeah, that's it. The only So the music from that is great, but the problem is on the soundtrack, <laughs> some of them really can't sing. <laughs> and so it's like them singing, I want to rock. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> Greece, almost famous. Oh, brother, where art thou? Greece is Very a musical. different genre. Genre. Uh, another vote for Forrest Gump. The Lost Boys, Days of Thunder. Lost Boys is good. Blues Brothers. Days of Thunder is good center. Blues Brothers is a movie about music. Yeah, I was going to say, it's hard to make Blues Brothers count. This is Shrek. Oh, I wouldn't surprise you. Like me. Smash Mouth? Shrek. You like Smash Mouth? Yeah, sure. Hmm. Baja Men? <laughs> that's the, that's the first song of Shrek. Hmm. Hey! I don't know. Maybe we should keep keep up with this. It might be more fun than the. Uh, this is the uh, soundtrack from Blow. Well, now you gotta make me look it up. I was gonna say I don't remember. I, okay, so I put Top Gun on here, and I kind of threw Top Gun out as like a qualifier at the beginning. Good fellas. Good fellas. Okay. Okay. It's like Tom Top Gun has music that was created for it. That has stood the test of time. Yeah. The Top Gun anthem. And, and, and so it's. Wouldn't you put movies into like two different categories? Like Waterboy, none of those songs were created for Waterboy, but they incorporated all of them, and you end up with this incredible conglomeration of songs. Whereas. Right. Kenny Loggins went and like wrote the soundtrack for Top Gun. Yes. I know it wasn't exclusively him, but out of that you got Top Gun Anthem and Danger Zone. Boys. Danger Zone, obviously. It's Kenny Loggins. Okay, so was was that written for Top Gun? Mm-hmm. Which is really incredible. Somebody said you lost that love and feeling. I mean, that was I mean that's an out. I mean, that's obviously not a Kenny Loggins original. But, ooh, that's a good one there. <clears throat> the Crow soundtrack, very good, very good. So, so we're kind of talking two different genres there. I mean, like Star Wars right. has a score written for it that has, right? You know, from that and then you you've got, you've got the ultimate just... good guy song and the ultimate bad guy song from the Star Wars soundtrack. Yeah, another good one, The Departed. Hmm. Really you notice that Scorsese movies are good. Scorsese movies are going to have good soundtracks. Yeah, he works the music in. The overwhelming majority of these are old. I wonder if that's just anecdotal or they're not making movies with great soundtracks anymore. I mean, nobody wants to pay the licensing fees anymore. Uh, true. Yeah. Borky, this says your show uses music from a night at the Roxbury and Vision Quest movies. Yeah, I use Night at the Roxbury sometimes. What is love? 
<laughs> just makes you want to bob your head, you know? That's a dumb movie. A, a funny, it, it's just dumb. I mean, they're, they're, it's funny we're having this discussion. Email, by the way, it's funny we're having this discussion. I actually got an email today from uh, some friends of mine who at St. Al who wanted us to play Waterloo because they are tonight is opening night of the uh, St. Al school play, which is Mamma Mia. So, shout out to uh, Allie Doron. She's uh, she's playing the lead of Donna. Nice. So, you a big Abba fan? I am not personally. Hey, Dad loves him some Dancing Queen. Spins around. Look, look, he's got the face for it and everything. Oh, wait. <laughs> what is the face for ABBA? It's just, just happy. Just look at that. That face right there. Look at that. Take a chance, take a chance, take a chance, chance, take a chance, take a chance, take a chance, 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 take a chance, take a chance, take a chance. Oh, man. We got a Boogie Nights suggestion. Beach Boys, Commodores, Electric Light. Boogie Orchestra, Nights is a good choice. Marvin Gaye and more. Oh, me. I mean, like, I was going to try to transition from that into SEC basketball, but I thought we just probably needed to get to a commercial break. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. So, hey, Dad, for Goodfellas, you had Tony Bennett, Aretha Franklin, Cream, Muddy Waters, Bobby Darren, and uh, the Shangri-Las? Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty good lineup there. Sports Talk Mississippi yeah. with you. Sports Talk is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Find them online at genteelapparel.com. But uh, don't stop there. Visit uh, retailers across the state of Mississippi, men's clothing stores that uh, that are carrying Genteel, whether it's the pants or the shorts as we roll into the spring season. I actually got the shorts on today, and they are maybe my favorite pair of shorts ever. Uh, check them out. Golf shirts, new styles coming in as we roll into a uh, new season. Uh, you can shop at Landry's on the Square in Oxford uh, and many other men's clothing stores all across the state of Mississippi or, again, online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. So at the beginning of the show, we talked a little bit about the strangeness of Alabama's situation. And it was strange. Do you see a couple of South Carolina students? Uh, they were either not let inside of the arena or were kicked out of the arena because they dressed like prisoners. Hmm. Cops made them remove the orange jumpsuits that they made with serial numbers on them and stuff outside of the arena. Which is probably the right decision. Probably. But college students taking it a little too far with how they dress or what they say to opposing teams in sports is not new. Yeah. 
Hey, Dad, you were probably at the game in 1996 when Mississippi State played in Oxford? Yes, no, maybe. Wasn't that the final game in 96? Yeah, I was there. Do you remember what the Ole Miss student chants, uh, students chanted every time Dante Jones went to the free throw line? The ACT? I don't it was remember. hooked on phonics. Oh, uh, okay. Hooked, I mean, you know. Yeah, maybe a stretch too far. That one actually probably a little more tasteful than prison jumpsuits, but yeah. And by that same token, I remember uh, when Andy Kennedy got arrested, uh, State made a big deal about don't chant anything to him, and somebody had a sign taken in the student section. There was just his mugshot. And just had a big picture of his mugshot. I mean, it was a long time ago. Sure I can't believe you've taken that, take away. that away. Oh, well, you know, Mississippi State had to. Bend over backwards to not provide a hey, home that, court advantage. That's a them decision. Yeah. When uh, when Will Wade last played in Oxford, there there were two old Miss students dressed up as FBI agents, jackets, aviators, just sitting on the front row with their arms crossed, looking at Will Wade. <laughs> um. So, but yeah, I think it's a reasonable question to say. How did Alabama get to the point of letting Brandon Miller continue to play? And Greg Byrne kind of addressed that on a podcast with Reese Davis yesterday, the ESPN College Game Day podcast hosted by Reese Davis, and said it was a collective effort. He said it was ongoing from the get-go when the incident happened. It was a conversation between myself, Nate Oates, conversation with myself and the president, we have legal counsel involved for the university. We have our different offices within the university that are at least aware of it. We had normal conversations like we do for other issues. That information was shared collectively, and collectively we decided that Brandon was able to play. His performance last night tells you why they came to that conclusion. People need to really start, and it's mostly happening, actually. It's really just the state of Alabama that and there are fans that are doing this, and you can expect fans to defend anything that happens, of course. I mean, just wait till Saturday when they have a home game, the reception that he's going to get. It's it's going to be like he's he's a god on the basketball court. That's what fans do. But his performance last night was a perfect encapsulation for why he was on the floor last night. That's why they came to that conclusion. And... It, going back and forth with people on social media that, that he wasn't charged with a crime thing. Jimbo Fisher, the noted disciplinarian Jimbo Fisher, he suspended a handful of players on this past football team. Remember, they missed games, multiple. Did any of them get charged with a crime? Nope. No. But they violated team rules. They did something remarkably stupid. If you believe the reporting, at least a couple of them were smoking marijuana in a team facility. Very stupid. They didn't get charged with a crime. Never got arrested. Nothing happened. Nobody died. Nothing happened. But Jimbo Fisher decided it was best for them to sit. It has happened before. I was thinking about this earlier. I know it's the NCAA handing this down, but Todd Gurley signed autographs for about $3,000. Missed 30% of a season. Laramie Tunsil... What they could prove was he was driving around in a car that wasn't his. Missed seven games. 60% of a season. 
What crimes did those two guys commit? Greg Byrne told Reese Davis on the podcast when asked kind of about people thinking that Brandon Miller is getting preferential treatment. He said, Reese, I think that's a fair narrative that people can immediately go to. And what I've tried to think about the entire time is, let's do what we think is right. Let's make sure we are honest. Let's make sure we cooperate and we support law enforcement and anyone else out there that needs to be supported through this. You can control what you can control. I can't control whether somebody immediately goes to that as their thought on this. What I felt is that Brandon needed to be treated fairly like any other student athlete. Close quote. (laughs) Greg Byrne is... And it's his job. He is looking at this situation through a different lens than most others are. You read some of AL.com's coverage of this and some of the editorials, they have blistered Alabama. Greg McElroy had a 16-minute monologue at the beginning of his show with Cole yesterday on jocks in Birmingham where he took his alma mater to task for playing Brandon Miller. I understand where Greg Byrne is coming from, but I'm not sure how you get to let's do what we think is right, and this is what you think is right. You have a player who delivered a weapon to an individual who sent a text message asking for it. And now there's there's some debate about the timeline, about whether or not he was already headed back and what he knew about the gun and, and whatever. But the fact is he had a, a text message on his phone that where Miles is asking him to bring his gun, and he does, and that gun is removed from the vehicle, that his vehicle that he's driving, and then Darius Miles hands it to the other guy, who proceeds to go to the window of the car and say, I was good, I told you I was going to get you, and then starts popping rounds off. And he squeezes eight of them off. And he kills a woman. And two stray bullets go into the windshield of Brandon Miller's car. What, what do players get suspended for? Weed. Missing class. Missing practice, not showing I mean, up to practice on time. But just to say he didn't play, coach's decision. It didn't have to be a suspension. I, I googled guys, guys just miss games sometimes. I googled I, I, Alabama I football can... player suspension, and there's article after article of it happening. One of which, and you know, Nick Saban famously let a guy off for having a gun in his car. Different circumstances, but. Some of these articles say no reason was given. Football player suspended. Your own school has done it before. Yeah, but but you can't hide behind the no reason coach's decision on this. Because his name but his name was ultimately coming out. Yeah. They knew his name was going to come out. So then be transparent. Moorhead Moorhead suspended Nick Fitzgerald the first game of his of his season. I have to this day do not know why. Nick Fitzgerald's a starting quarterback, and they were just like, nope, he's not playing game one. Hmm. 
It, but be transparent. But in their transparency, they, they told everybody that we value what he can do on the basketball floor more than doing what's right. Because like I said yesterday, even if he didn't commit a crime, he put himself in a situation that could have got him killed. If you believe the reporting, his car was hit by bullets. Twice. I mean, they're, they're, like, there's no believe it or don't believe it. Like, his, the windshield of his car was hit by two bullets. It could have cost him his life. It could have cost him his career. It could have cost his team. They're shot at a championship. Everything. You can't deny that, whether or not it's criminal. But they decided, despite him doing that, we like that he can make 42% of his three-point shots enough to where it's not worth missing that production on the basketball floor. That's what they decided. We'll wrap it up with you coming up next, Sports Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. What is going on here? Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. In terms of basketball results last night, we talked about the fact that Alabama won in overtime at South Carolina. By the way, all signs pointing to, well, that's not entirely true. Mississippi State, Texas A&M, huge on Saturday for Mississippi State. It's also big for Texas A&M from the standpoint that if they can navigate their way through the game against Mississippi State on Saturday and then win their midweek game, then they host Alabama in College Station at Reed Arena on the final Saturday of the regular season. And Texas A&M is at Ole Miss on Tuesday night of next week. Massive game for both teams, like you said. I mean, so much to play for on both sides. A&M is at least comfortably in the tournament at this point. Um yeah, it's bigger They're playing for Mississippi for State. Yeah, because it's going to determine whether or not they get there. They how how easy it'll be for them to get in, and if they yeah. can get in at all. So, big game. Vanderbilt had won five in a row. They had entered the under consideration category by Joe Lenardi, and then they lost at LSU last night. Vandy is only getting into the tournament if they win the SEC tournament. Eighty four seventy seven LSU over Vanderbilt last night. And Kentucky beat Florida without Colin Castleton. Florida actually had a uh, had a lead at the half. I think it was a one point lead. Eighty two seventy four. Uh, Oscar Shebway twelve of thirteen shooting the basketball last night, and the majority of those were like seventeen footers. Figured it out. Yeah. Also, guy got cho- a player got choked. Sort of. Sort of. Arm around. I'm around the neck for a period of time from somebody sitting on the front row. So, Cason Wallace diving for a ball courtside, kind of goes into the fans. He gets up, and there's 
the immediate reaction from the fan, and by the way, the fans were thrown out of the game. So the guy who choked, I'm using air quotes there, or had his arm kind of around the arm around the neck, shoulders, yeah. neck area, he was like, he stood up and was like immediately pointing to the sideline stripe, like the guy stepped out of bounds, like pointing to a referee the way a fan might react. And Casey Wallace is like peeling himself out of the stands, and he takes off with the guy's arms extended, and he kind of runs into it. And the guy doesn't like immediately drop his arm or whatever, get out of it. I thought it looked worse than it actually was. I've heard a lot of people saying those people should be like expelled from the arena forever. I think Jimmy Dykes went after the fans pretty, or he and Tom both kind of went after the fans pretty hard last night. I'm, I'm not sure that I saw it the same way that everybody else did, but... Slow-mo replay can make you see a lot of things that didn't happen. Yeah, and that's the thing. What if you? What if in real time, is that really what happened? But, alas, here we are. Missouri is at Georgia on Saturday. Missouri needs to win that game. Arkansas is at Alabama. That's a big one for Arkansas. They beat the brakes off of Georgia Tuesday night. A&M at Mississippi State, massive. Auburn at Kentucky, massive. South Carolina at Tennessee, boy, Tennessee better not lose that one. Florida at Vandy, LSU at Ole Miss. One of these games is not like the other. I mean, I, Something's got to give. I mean, I'm just being honest. Right, right. Postseason implications in Missouri, Georgia, in Arkansas, Alabama, in A and M, Mississippi State, in Auburn, Kentucky, South Carolina, Tennessee, Florida, Vandy to a lesser degree because Vandy they they can't play themselves in after that loss last night. Yeah. All implicated. Yeah. At least one of the teams here's got a postseason implicated game. Got that. It's better than not having any. Yeah. And I, I think I saw limited tickets remaining for Mississippi State and Texas A&M on, yeah. uh, on Saturday. I just got to believe it's going to be full. It's got to believe. And loud. No reason not to. If you've been asking for a good basketball team and a good basketball program and you have the opportunity to go to this game and you don't, you don't really have a leg to stand on. Borky, I think you did this last week from a programming note standpoint. We will be on the air tomorrow with Sports Talk Mississippi, even though you got baseball in both Starkville and uh, Oxford that begins at 4 o'clock. So you'll get the beginning of the show. Uh, some of the stations will have the show in its entirety. If you want to continue to listen and you get cut off by baseball coverage, you can listen online at supertalk.fm. You can listen for free on the Supertalk Mississippi app. Um, you can go back and get it as a podcast. But we will uh, we'll have fun tomorrow, right? I mean, we'll have live baseball going during the show. We'll keep you up with what's uh, happening there. We'll talk about baseball for the weekend, basketball for the weekend, and plenty more. For Michael Borkey and Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studios, I'm Richard Cross. Have a great Thursday night.
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.